0: Do you know how easy it is to become your own grandpa? (laughs) No, I don't. But please. Speaking of seminal time (laughs) Are we recording?
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) Last one. Um, Becoming your own grandpa. Super easy. And legal as well. If you married someone who had a daughter of age. Okay. And then your dad fell in love with the daughter. Now, I know there's a big age gap, but it could happen. Then you would be your own grandpa. That's hot. (laughs) <laughs> in in just two easy steps, there just you go. two easy steps, two easy steps. You marry someone with a kid, and your dad. You want to become... figure out time travel. Step you, one. Pretty much. Why don't we talk about this in the time travel episode? I only f- oh, I only found it out recently. Actually, I didn't. I found it out from watching the Stupids film starring Tom Arnold from 1994. Course, I want to say, of course you did. He sings a song called "I'm My Own Grandpa," which my entire life I've thought is just a funny song because. You know, it's the stupids and then that film. That film, for anyone who's never seen it, which I assume is everyone. Yes. <laughs> that <laughs> film is... The is, rest of everyone out there is like, like the most basic SNL sketch. It's just a fact... I think it might have been an SNL. You know that weird time where SNL was m- turning all of their sketches into movies? Yes. That's or characters. Tush- characters. It's in that weird area. I when mean, was but-
1: the last time SNL turned a thing into a movie?
0: I'm trying to think now. Genuinely. They did... I think they did this I think the stupidest I could be wrong but I think it is and then they did that one where Hot Rod isn't it was Hot Rod one Hot Rod's a good film as well I was going to say Pam Pat and it's that weird little androgynous man slash woman character who nobody knows the sex and in MacGruber a... was the last one which one MacGruber MacGruber yeah. I remember that one it had a bunch of wrestlers in it I have no idea who that is but yeah Pat was neither man nor woman and in a, in the space of a five to eight minute SNL sketch where the joke is, what's this? Is that a man or a woman? Fine. But stretching that out to an hour and a half, I've only seen the trailer and it does not look good.
1: So what you're saying is you shouldn't overextend something and have it run on for too long unnecessarily and achieve nothing uh, whatsoever. So today we're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, everybody.
0: (laughs) And also Tarantino's career. It's a double whammy. And that... That horrible speech you just gave fits both of them.
1: Yay!
0: <laughs> we've, we've been
1: uh, planning to do a Tarantino episode for a while. And we we were have. Just, we were just waiting for his new movie to come out. And it's out. And it's now out. And I've seen it, Gary's seen it, and Audio Boy's seen it. And now we're all enthusiastic to talk about it. Yay! Play the, Play the intro. intro.
0: Jinx. It's
1: me at movies. It's me at movies. It's me at movies.
0: So won't you lend an ear? What are you, you going to do now? Gonna, we We got a whole podcast to record and like you can't speak. This is the Gary episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Meandering Movie Podcast, where I'm your main host, Gary Copeland, and my mute partner is. Can't say nothing. Still on jinx. Didn't do it during the intro. Trenchfit is his name. Trenchfit, he's still jinxed. No, my oh, oh.
1: <laughs> don't hurt me. It's he's coming for help! Help. <laughs> we assaulted my own flat. It's a
0: rule. You don't break jinx.
1: My name is Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. The menstrual blood splatter that is Gavin Stewart, oh, but it's the oh. amount of blood that is in a Tarantino movie, so it's
0: too much, it's egregious, it makes you uncomfortable, and you're just like, can you stop? Did you say minstrel or menstrual? menstrual Oh, dude, <laughs> not a good name. One of the worst. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then, then move into... I mean, it's probably going to be one of these sloppy... We, we have two parts, but it will end up being one part, I yeah, feel. Yeah, we're talking about Tarantino... Tarantino more with, with more Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it should
1: be than not. Off the bat, I mean, I would say should we worry about spoilers, but there's literally nothing you can spoil about this film, because as we talk about it, and as the listeners will soon learn, nothing happens in this film.
0: Yeah, I still think we should. I think we should We should do our usual, discuss our general thoughts on it, and then do the good old spoiler klaxon, sans... And if you want to stick around to just then hear more of the same comments and not
1: worry about anything being spoiled, feel free to do that, because nothing happens
0: in this film. I know. It's so, all right. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Or do you want to just do it from the bat? Spoiler one. If we were a spoiler one now, we can just talk about it. doesn't matter. Do you make it the decision, audio boy? I think we should. Just spoiler. Spoiler yeah. noise.
1: Aha! Oh,
0: done. So. What did you... Did you like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <sighs> okay. I think I liked exactly 50% of that movie. What was the 50%? And it's not like 50% is in the beginning or right, the okay. end. I mean, 50% is in... As in the performances, so Pitt and DiCaprio, DiCaprio more than Pitt, but DiCap- really? I thought DiCaprio was fucking phenomenal in that film. Really? Oh, I have to disagree. Oh, no. I, I thought, I, I thought DiCaprio gave a fucking phenomenal performance.
1: I and think like he mainly- just did Leonardo DiCaprio again. Wishes I've said this to audio boy uh, before. He just, he, he's got two volumes. It's either. Normal volume, or he's shouting, and whatever volume at, that's the place the character's at, and that's oh, it. Oh man,
0: I, I think, I agree. So because DiCaprio, well, I'm blah, 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 getting all confused. DiCaprio when he's doing the cowboy stuff was phenomenal, but then that was very Django Unchained. You're using the word phenomenal. I liked it. I thought, I thought DiCaprio hold, like pulls that film together on, on a on a on a big way. But then here's a question: Is you say DiCaprio's pulling that film together? What film is he pulling together? Well, exactly. This is what I'm saying. 50, exactly fifty percent of that movie. So, I I liked DiCaprio's performance. I really did. I think it's a strong performance, and I think he did did very well with what he did. And you're right. When he's doing the characters, all the characters are very uh, very akin to his Django Unchained. I'm just category. gonna shout my dialogue. But it's good. And 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 then when he comes into the uh, I oh, it, I literally just walked out of this film, and I can't remember any of the characters' names. Rick. Rick Dolan. Rick Dolan. Rick Astley. No, not Rick. Dalton. Al- Dalton Rick, Rick Dalton, Dalton's he's
1: of the when he's
0: playing Rick Dalton I' did, I thought he was cracking man I thought starting off being very smug and proud and then like crying because he's reading the book and I mean this is where I didn't like it I, like so much of the character stuff is so fucking ham-fisted, especially DiCaprio stuff. Like, well, I'm reading a book about a cowboy that's... Oh my god, that scene was so awful. Over his prime, and now I'm crying, and the little girl's doing it. So like, it's it's so weird. It kind of it just whiplashed back and forth for me. Um, Pitt's performance, it, it's doing Brad Pitt. He's doing Brad Pitt. He does. He's doing what Brad Pitt does in every film.
1: See, yeah, I'm in the the opposite view, which I think DiCaprio was just doing DiCaprio, mm-hmm. whereas. Pitt was doing what Pitt does best, which is he is a great character actor with just this kind of charming, alluring presence. Yeah. And every time he was on the screen, he does so little, but I'm just so drawn to him. Well, Whereas DiCaprio's think- doing so much that I'm just like, please mm-hmm. go away. I'm just, you're just, it's a
0: bombardment. It's yeah. like a
1: Tarantino experience. You're just being bombarded mm-hmm. in the fucking face and the ears and it's like, oh.
0: I'm not, I'm not, not going to disagree with you on that. And I think what I'm, I think... The agreement I have with you is that Brad Pitt's performance in that film is... I say it's very Brad Pitt. And that's not, again, not a bad thing. But it is just that very self-assured, you know, southern drawl. Yeah. I mean, that's Brad Pitt. But it works.
1: Kind of his character in The Glorious Bastards and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Like, it just works. It's it's great. Um, And then... I'm going to talk about the stuff I did like more than first, at least. And then... then I'll just do the rest. Because then I think I'm I'm probably going to agree with you on the vast majority of this. So... The other bit I did like is the, the thematic element and the Tarantino bait and switch of you think DiCaprio's the main character and then he's not, really. That whole film, it spends so much time with DiCaprio and Pritt, you pretty much... Prit. Is it Pritt? No, Pitt. Pitt. <laughs> For a split second there, I was like, Brad Pritt, it's, that's it's his name. Brad Pritt. It's like, um, <laughs> I love Brad Pritt. Brad On the Pritt. subject
1: of getting people's names wrong, I need to mention this just now or i forget Um, That uh, Hobbs and Shaw episode. Oh, yeah. um, I kept referring to the female lead in that film as Elizabeth Kirby, and her name is Vanessa Kirby. Oh, fuck. It got pointed out to me by our our resident fact-checker and my old work dad. He
0: pointed that out to me. It's a good thing someone's listening to these. (laughs) Someone's (laughs) listening. Someone's paying attention. Um, shout out to him. Shout out to... Audio Boy's work, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, what was I saying? Yeah, Brad Pitt, and you think they're kind of both lead men, and then fundamentally what Tarantino's done is he's made a 70s-themed Western, and Brad Pitt is the cowboy of the movie. But it's set in 1969. 1969. 60s on oh, verging 70s. Depends where you, your decade lies. A lot of people argue that a decade, if, you, if you're a 70s kid, you're a kid that was born in 65 to to like 68 because then you're growing up in the in the prime chunk of 70s, you know?
1: I it's mean, like, for example, my brother was born in 89, but he, his life was pretty much the 90s. Yeah, he's, he's a, 90s a 90s kid. kid.
0: It's, so a lot of people argue that a you decade... You were born in 2004, so, you know. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but it might as well be. Um, so yeah, so it's like a, it's a 70s film. And Brad Pitt is the is this is the cowboy character. He's you know constantly walking yeah. into town. He's self assured. He's not looking for trouble. Um, even though trouble finds him, you know, I mean, if you, yeah. if you take that character and you stick it into an old western, it fits. It's all good. And then DiCaprio gets sidelined to effectively, even though he's the bigger star and the even in the the context of the movie, he's the bigger. He's got more going on. He's still a sidekick. Um, and that all comes to a head in the in the final, final explosive scene. Showdown. The showdown where Brad Pitt does fucking everything and DiCaprio does one thing with the one piece of technology that he knows how to use, that he's terrified of. That scene where Brad Pitt threw that can of dog food at that woman's face. I fucking (laughs) lost my shit. I was was the only one in the cinema laughing and then everyone else did that kind of like, oh, right, we should be laughing maybe? But I was fucking gone. Like, oh, And yeah. And then, all right, so that. just before I go into it is there anything else I liked <laughs> what about so any other like, uh, performances or characters uh, Margot Robbie <sighs> my, I, uh, saying that I, I'm not a fan of Margot Robbie and I've said that before she's fine in this but then that's because she doesn't do anything in this yeah I think
1: oh, you, you said this today already about or was it yesterday I can't remember
0: because <laughs> my days just blend into one at
1: this point <laughs> doing all these overnights is that if you were to take it, in fact you say it because it was your comment
0: yeah, like what was what did Margot Robbie contribute to that movie? So that I don't if have you guys done the research on this? Because I'm with you. Did anybody look into this? No. As in the actual true life, what actually happened type thing. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes, we know what happened. Well see I didn't. Oh, okay. Before going into that film, I hadn't got a fucking clue. And it's the Manson Murders and Yep. The... I, I know of the Manson Murders. I didn't realise Sharon Tate you know what I mean I didn't realize yeah. that was the Tate family and the Tate murder. I didn't know I, I honestly didn't have a clue about any of that. And that's I wanna get into that in the in the things I didn't necessarily like um, chunk of this. So, yeah. Margaret Robbie was fine. Anyone else is in there? I mean, there's a few kind of bit parts. Kurt Russell popping up.
1: Margaret Qualley.
0: Yeah, like, they're all just there. They're, you know, it's Brad Pitt and DiCaprio doing the major legwork. So, I guess we should get to the, the bits I liked about the movie. Yeah.
1: It, it looks good.
0: <laughs> the movie looks good. Uh what do you think of the soundtrack? I mean, <sighs> I mean, it, it, it's a good set piece. It's it, like it, it's it, a film that sucks it, you into the. It's that
1: music. It's songs time. and music that I like. Yeah, but it plays no bearing on the film. I feel it like, because I feel Django and Chain was Tarantino's best use of music because he. Specifically, went out and sought songs mm-hmm. that played into the scenes that they were happening. Yeah, and, and the thematic, them. correctness yeah, and, and, and kind of bolster them yeah, in different yeah. ways. I feel unless you just like, oh, these were songs that I heard in a kid, I-, I heard on the radio as a kid when I was driving in the car with my dad. So I'm just gonna put these songs on. So
0: I kind of, yeah, I'm kind of in two minds about it because my take on the soundtrack and that is that a lot of the a lot of the actual score has been uh, fixed specifically to work with. The characters, like every character, had their own score, which I don't know if anyone else picked up on. See, I just felt that the score at times was
1: confused as to what was happening in the scene, whereas sometimes the, the scene would be happening and there'd be a score, but the yeah. score didn't in any way coincide with. But what then was that happening might be the because
0: scene. the score at that time was for a different character than the camera was focused on. You know, like this, it, there was a, there was a few times where it happened where every character had their own score. So Margot Robbie, DiCaprio, and Pitt all had their own thematic scores throughout the film and it, then once or twice the focus of a scene would switch from dicaprio to Pitt, but the score would stick to dicaprio's if that makes sense and i did notice it and it's a bit jarring but i because i kind of picked up on what they were aiming for i think i could be talking out my ass because i'm just the fucking pleb on this podcast i mean if
1: tarantino was aiming for anything he missed that's what <laughs> i'm gonna say <laughs> yeah. it's hell.
0: um i'm trying to yeah so, so yeah for me
1: uh, the thing I liked was how mm-hmm. the film looks. Tarantino, he grew up in this time. Yeah. He knows it very well. He went to incredible efforts to recreate it from the costumes, the hair and the makeup, the the cars on set, the locations. Everything yeah. just looks so perfect to the time. That's what I liked about the film. <laughs>
0: One <we go>. thing. Because
1: <laughs> when Audio Boy went, we, him and I went and saw it, and we came out and. We were at the World mm. in town, so we are travelling down the escalators. We were quite high up. We didn't say anything to each other the entire way down. Go out to the cinema, across the road, and I went, well, that was shite. And he went, yeah. <laughs> like, and then we just spent the rest of the time just walking, going like, just trying to understand... And I guess failing to understand what the point in that film yeah.
0: was. So, and yeah, just just like one more thing before we jump in. The final thing I think I did quite enjoy, and actually I've already said it, it ties in. It, it was it was Brad Pitt's whole character. And it's not even because he doesn't really have an arc necessarily, other than the kind of cowboy mode. That would suggest the film had any sort of destination. Yeah, um, but I did just love, I just love that he was so self-assured the entire film. I, and I think that's just like, it's just fun watching a character that knows what they're about yeah, I, yeah, that's fair.
1: I did, I did enjoy
0: watching Brad Pitt in that movie.
1: Yeah, he is—he's an enjoyable actor to watch on screen. Usually, no matter what he's in, like if it's good or bad. Exactly. And this being bad, he was—he was fun to watch. Yeah. So, yeah, I've already said so it. So was the dog. So was the dog. dog Why
0: well, is was any of that stuff? I like, go, well, yeah, Brad Pitt was.
1: I've never been more repulsed by dog food than in that movie when he's slopping out that dog food into the bowl. <laughs> and <laughs> it slops out a second one and then
0: chucks the kibble on top and I'm just like, oh um, I was so- more repulsed by that than I was the violence at the end. <laughs> which is yeah, which is the Tarantino special really, isn't it? So I suppose we should jump into it now. Like what what didn't we enjoy? Everything else about the movie. Yeah. It's it's egregiously
1: uh, long. It's egregiously self-indulgent and sometimes i love a self-indulgent movie there's plenty of artsy movies out there i love that are just fully like kubrick could go self-indulgent at times or uh, noah baumbach he loves to go Mm self-indulgent i can i can love some self-indulgentness self-indulgentness is not a word it's some self-indulgent one but this movie is self-indulgent in the worst way where it's just a director once again uh patting his ego, stroking his, you know, and feet, and just... And so just, many feet shots. Oh, a disgusting amount of feet shots. Well, that's, that's the buzzer. Who's that? Dunno.
0: Should we let them in and find out? Bring them no. on the podcast. Have you not got then? a speaker? But they buzzed you?
1: I mean, yeah, but we've been getting buzzed all day. Oh. I don't know what's going on.
0: It's all these honeys coming for me. Interesting. How did you know when my buzz was the right buzz? We didn't. There was one earlier on we thought it was you. We left the door open and everything. And thought, <laughs> five, minute, five minutes went by and I was like, yeah. we should <laughs> probably lock up <our> <laughs> again. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so many features. I didn't it's, understand that. Film, I mean, I, I did.
1: Yeah, it's like, this is... I feel at this point, Tarantino feels untouchable. It's like, I have my way of doing films. People, for some reason, continue to love it. So I'm just going to continue to do it. Mm. And I'm just going to do it to the nth degree. Yeah. To the point where i like, like, I've... I used to love Tarantino and this is a point I'm going to get into later on when we really dive into him but as time has gone on and I've uh, become more and more and more and more of a cinephile his films to me have just looked tired Mm. repetitive unoriginal and just full of theft, really, to the point where I'm like, hatefully, it was like, I was like, yeah, I think I'm done with Tarantino. (laughs) I don't want to watch his films anymore. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the bullet in the head for me. of just like, I am done with Tarantino. I know he's only got one left, hopefully. But it's like,
0: this movie is everything wrong with Tarantino as a filmmaker for me. it This film for me, I came out of it and thought, this film 100% feels like Tarantino doing a, a, a highlight reel of every other film he's ever done. Um... And, and that's, just a bad, a really bad highlight reel. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it's, I, I'm so torn by this film because, because I, I, like I said, fifty percent, and I honestly feel like I'm so on the fence. Currently, I think the next five conversations I have about this film are going to decide whether I end up loving it or fucking hating it because I'm. There's so much of it that I'm just undecided on. Um, and yeah, like what I mean by highlight reel for any anyone does go and see it. Um, it's got elements of of death proof in the sense that yeah. the the whole first hour and forty minutes are just character building and talking and 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 setting the scene, and then this explosion of violence before it ends actually yeah like it finishes. Um, it also feels like Pulp Fiction, like it like he wanted that film to be non linear, and then they've edited it into a linear fashion, which I don't know if anyone else got that. I. I it was weird. It was a really weird moment when I was watching this. I was like, it kind of feels like if this had been broken up differently, it would be more interesting. Something
1: that Oriwai and I were talking about is the editing Editing in this film feels so off. There's
0: where some it, really weird... The, the scene with Timi, Timothy Olyphant... Yeah, we talked about that one. What so, the fuck was that I don't that know about? what the
1: decision behind that kind of jumpiness of the scene like, but my thinking is, and I, I'm, I have no proof of this, it's just my assumption, is that this movie... Tarantino wrote a much longer movie, a much bigger movie, which is incredible because this is already too long and too big. It is very long. It doesn't warrant. We'll get into that, but yeah. And <laughs> and when he was constructing it in the final edit, because I can imagine he just filmed so much yeah, extra shit yeah. for this movie. When he was constructing it in the final edit, he just started to like put this thing, this kind of mangled thing together. And this is the best he could do, streamline-wise. And if this is the best he can do, I'm like, I would hate to see a director's cut of this film because yeah. for me this movie is just a long slow kind of slog of nothing yeah. and the word i'm you're going to hear me use a lot in this conversation for this movie is nothing because <laughs> this movie has nothing it says nothing it does nothing it achieves nothing yeah. it is a whole lot of nothing that i sat there for two hours and 40 minutes almost dozed off at
0: one point because i was so bored just been like this is awful. Mm. I need this to stop. Like So yeah, so I'm I'm not quite as hard. I'm not I don't think it was awful, but I, I do fully agree it had so many issues. Um the other big problem I think I had with it, yeah, the editing was bizarre and that Timothy the Timothy Oliphant Olyph- scene specifically is the main there's a few like, there's just loads stands of it.
1: Like it doesn't do it ever again.
0: The the narrator, which Yeah, Kurt Russell
1: at- comes in at the beginning. Was
0: that Kurt Russell? Yeah, it was Kurt right, Russell. Right, so yeah, it comes in the beginning and says, he's lying out his ass, he got loaded tickets of drunk driving, now he's banned from driving. And 90 minutes then goes was no by. narration, and then all of a sudden... A whole... We're going to... 10 I'm just minutes. I'm going to narrate... Yep, yeah, That's the, where, the again, Italian. I feel this movie
1: it fell apart in the final edit, and Tarantino's just like, I need to try and put in some narration somewhere, Sorry, just some to this. try and keep the audience up to date. Because I feel like that whole section where Ed DiCaprio goes off to Italy and something, i I'm hundred percent. That was a whole other big section of the film. Yeah. They just had to. I cut think out. there was
0: definitely bits of that where you see DiCaprio get fat. Yeah. Like you know, fat suit DiCaprio. Yada yada yada. And they just had to cut it down. Yeah. Bring in Kurt Russell to do a bit of narration, and then. And then they probably needed to put in a narrator earlier so that it didn't seem quite as. But I feel like it would have been better blue. to
1: not have had any narrator until that point. You think? Because. Or have it be a, a more of a constant,
0: in or the film. not Kurt Russell? Because now, now that you've said that, it's like, well, why with fuck Kurt Russell? Just because he has that one character earlier in the film?
1: I mean, mm-hmm. I love listening to Kurt Russell, yeah, like Kurt Russell and I love looking at Kurt
0: Russell, so I'll take all the Kurt Russell I can get. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was uh, baffling. Yeah. Editing, pacing, structure—real, real not good. Yeah. Tricky, and and again, that's where I think. It's like they wanted to do a Pulp Fiction. They, they didn't want it to be linear, and then yeah. someone went, "No, no, no! It's not going to work if it's not start to finish." And Tarantino went and panicked and struggled in the edit. Um, and I, and then I think let's let's move on to that because that's the other the other big issue I had uh, is that I didn't know anything about the Manson. I didn't know anything about the Tate murders. I've I've since for for our listeners at home, I've I've since read up about them after coming out of the cinema because I I sat there and I was watching it. And uh, Margot Robbie was Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. And I thought, all right, cool. When's she going to come into play? And then she doesn't. And then she's pregnant. And then the whole fucking violent explosion happens. And then they come down the hill and they're like, oh, you okay, man? He's like, yeah, some fucking lunatics is broken. And he's like, whoa, fuck, are you guys okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We fought them off. They're all dead now. All right, nice one. And it ended. And I went, what the fuck? Like, what the actual... why? Why is so much of the film dedicated to this person who doesn't do anything and has no like nothing? for about ten seconds.
1: Again, uh, I said this to Audio Boy earlier. we talked a fair bit about this movie. Uh, <laughs> that I feel that Tarantino saw Margot Robbie in Wolf of Wall Street and thought, "Ooft, I want to look at her feet." Cast her in this <laughs> film so we could just film her dirty feet for twenty minutes, take it home, have that, and his secret stash, and just. Have a wee rub to it, but a ducky this is but then, <laughs> but then the, that's
0: coming from Gavin. That is coming from Gavin. The feet shots in this film are egregious. You have used that word for times because they're egregious, Gavin. I will. This is the best use you've used for it. The fucking feet sh- shots in the scene are ridiculous. It's the like, one, the one where the girl fucking slams them up against the glass. Oh, so you I get was that. Walked out of that you get that nice bottom of the foot <laughs> smushed look. Ooh, poor Margaret Qualley. Um, From the best TV show of all time, The Leftovers. What? What, what? what? Um, but yeah, so, and and, and the, the the thing I will say for this is if I would, I can't ever do it now because, or well, maybe I could if I rewatched it because I now know about it, but I've lost that initial watch through. You know what I mean? You know how you make most of your mind up about a movie on the initial watch through and it yep. doesn't really matter how many times you watch it, you're always going to be marred by that first watch. So I'm never going to be able to watch through it with the knowledge that I have now, um, which is how tense would that film be if you know about the Tate murders? Because presumably, if you know about them, you're watching that and going, oh, fuck, so she's Sharon Tate, she's probably going to get murdered at the end of the film, and then when he goes to the uh, Spawn Ranch, Spawn Ranch, and you're like, fuck, that's where Manson was, you know... Hanging out. Hanging out and making a cult.
1: Yeah, because the final scene where like the, the kids all show up to the street and they're walking up with the knives... You just assume all. Of, well, I assumed. I'm we both assumed uh, they were going to walk into uh, Sharon Tate's house, mm. but instead, of course,
0: they go over to Cliff Dalton's house instead. No, Rick, Rick Dalton's. Oh, Rick, Rick Dalton and okay. t- Cliff Booth. <laughs> uh, Rick Dalton's says, but then because he comes out and he screams at them because he's yeah.
1: blasted. But then that's Tarantino doing what he did. with he like switch and Gloria's bastards But it's like. He doesn't want a movie to end that way, so instead he kills Hitler at the end of *Inglorious Bastards*. Well, and it, this one, Manson just disappears. Was Manson in it? Yeah, he was. He was the guy that walked up. He was like, "Oh, I'm looking for my friends." And went, oh, they don't live here anymore. And he went, "All right, cool." And he got back in the van. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was Charles Manson. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah, now that you said that, I, that, was he about- driving
1: an ice cream van?
0: Or a delivery van Yeah, or something. Because that was another point, though, until now that you've said that. I was, I was going to say, who the fuck was that guy? It's, I honestly don't have a clue. Charles Manson. Right. I'm also feeling like he was right. in the film
1: a lot more and then probably got cut out. Yeah. Because it, it just feels...
0: Cause, so... <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's... it's so difficult to talk about this film for me because it's... Again, 50%. It's, it's like, I kind of want to like it and I like some things about it, but then everything else is just so fucked. For me, it just frustrates me. Where I'm just like,
1: so Tarantino's like, oh, I want to do a, a movie that's a love letter to Hollywood's in LA. Mm-hmm. And he wants to set it in a time that's nostalgic for him. What was prevalent in that time? The Manson murders. Okay, I'll try and write a story and watch that's in there somewhere. And then he just didn't. He just, mm. he did a different story and now he's also like, oh, but don't, but look, the Manson stuff, but it plays no bearing on anything in the film at all, except him just going, "Look, Manson." Yeah. And you're going, "Okay, well, and what are you going to do with it?" And you're like, "Nothing." You're like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause like, I'm I don't have anything to say," and I'm like, "Well, fucking don't do it then." Yeah,
0: it's it's he's got this thing now where it's like he it's the like a Tarantino bait and switch. It's he's he's taking these historical moments that everyone knows about and then oh, pull the rug out. I did it different. He thinks he's so clever when he's doing it. It was it was good the first time. When when Hitler dies, when and Hitler gets yeah, they
1: just unload the guns and When his Hitler gets base.
0: destroyed and then exploded in a fucking theater fire, I was like, "Why? You can't. Oh my god, he's changed World War II. That's fucking crazy." And now Django Fucking yeah, up slavery, yeah.
1: Black slave killing and these white slave masters, but like,
0: and then ruining slavery, which is yeah. a good thing, obviously. But like but it's, changing history, like it's the and Tarant- then it was like-
1: it's in the Tarantino way of doing yeah, it, which is it-
0: like a jackhammer to the fucking <laughs> face. God, I did like the 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 reference to Inglorious Bastards though, which is Rick Dalton's film where he sets fire to a bunch of Nazis, is clearly. Because in because it's part of the fucking Tarantino shared yeah, universe. shared universe. Red apple cigarettes, yada, yada, yada. But in Tarantino's universe, it, it's kind of a like... I remember reading this ages ago. I quite like the theory that the reason that nobody's phased by violence in all of his films is because they grew up in a time where slaves were fucking up their masters way back in the 1800s. And then World War Two ended, not with a fucking suicide by Hitler and a nuclear bomb going off, but with... The the Jews fighting back and everyone fighting back and literally slaughtering Hitler and the Nazis in the most violently horrible way possible. Which then you fast forward even further, uh, Pulp Fiction when Vincent Vega shoots that guy in the face in the back of the car. Even for a trained killer, that should be surprising, and he just goes, "Ah, fuck! I just blew up his head." And it's like a relaxed thing because in school in the Tarantino universe, they're teaching kids: "Here's how Hitler died. Look at that. It's fucked." That's fucking horrible. <laughs> like, so kids are desensitised from violence yeah. from a really young age. I mean, it's kind of it be bullshit. I like the but, idea, though. And he, This is such an important but.
1: <laughs> because Tarantino, for the entirety of his career, has been making the same argument, which is violence in movies and TV shows doesn't influence you to become a violent person. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, he says it does. <laughs> So I'm sitting there watching that scene and they're just like, Remember all those violent T V shows you watched? there's so much death and killing and blah, blah blah. Why don't we go kill them now? It's like revenge. And I'm like, Are you an idiot? Are you a fucking moron? You, then do you, do you not does... realise what you've been saying as a filmmaker well, for the last but
0: then the characters that he are saying that are portrayed in that film as the idiot wrong characters. They're not that's
1: not but portrayed still, in a light that's like it's still Look, an idiotic
0: guys. thing to s- to I go mean, against yeah, to go against your own message that you've been saying all these years, but not if the message, not if in this film the message that he's saying is going against the message is said by an idiot. That would be like it
1: would be yeah, like idiot w- still kill people and cause horrendous murders and death. It's like yeah, but if, I don't, if, I don't the, think making them smart or idiotic changes the fact that Tarantino was like, hey, violence can influence people to kill other people, just even if they're dumb or not.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know. It's I just a, think... It's just like, it's what this entire movie is. It's like, it doesn't know what it wants to be or what it wants to see yeah. or what it wants to do. And you, know, and you know what? 100%, 100%, bottom line, I will give you that on every front. This film didn't know where it was... It didn't know really where its legs were walking it at any point. Because... you, It, it wants to be a buddy film between Caprio and Pitt. And yeah. then it wants to focus on Caprio and then it wants to focus on Pitt. And then it wants to be a... Love Letter to Hollywood. Love Letter to Hollywood. And, and then, then it, it w- wants to be a Western. And then it wants to be a modern day Western with a, the cowboy motif, as we've said. Yeah. It It's so much happening at pretty much every like a, point. A weird, twisted, historical Histo- drama. wants to be a tense murder mystery. Not yeah. mystery, but it wants to be a tense um, murder mystery. Mystery, thriller tense with uh, Sharon Tate kicking yeah. around, waiting for the... You know, it's fucking softcore pornography. It must yeah. to be softcore footnography. pornography. Ooh. Um,
1: and also, wants yeah. to just completely besmirch the name of Bruce Lee and
0: uh, yeah, have and absolutely no respect for that man whatsoever. That, that that whole sequence fucked me off because because I fucking I actually I enjoyed that sequence. Not I hated it and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the character building it did for Pitt's character. But the fact that it does, the fact the way it does that is by shitting all over Bruce Lee, who yeah. is historically a fucking good guy. Um, and not just, just like shitting on him, just like racially tarnishing him as this just yeah, Asian guy fights people. That's what that's what they do. They just also that he was some sort of
1: blowhard egomaniac that just because yeah. it's gone like, walked around as if he was this. Fucking untouchable beast that take anyone down. It's, like, and it, it, what, it's not what's Bruce
0: Lee. What's even more annoying about that is they they have a line in the film where Bruce Lee somebody says something like, "Oh, who what would happen if you fight if you fought uh, Muhammad Ali?" And Bruce Lee goes, "Well, that wouldn't happen." But he says it in this smarmy, "Yeah, like that wouldn't happen because I'd fucking win." Doesn't say that, but it's the it's the implied it's tone, a kind of smug tone. Yeah. Whereas that's a genuine thing that Bruce Lee got asked all the fucking time, and Bruce Lee's honest reaction—if you read anything anyone's ever said about him—was like, nah, it's you know, like
1: he was. Hum- it, it,
0: it won't happen. He was I mean, quiet and humble. Yeah, and- I don't want that to happen. And people it- would call him out, like, "Hey, Bruce Lee, fight me," and he'd be like, "Nah, sorry, like I'm." It's not how I roll. Yeah, because he didn't need to because he was so self-assured. He knew that he probably could knock the absolute fuck out of anybody. <laughs> like, but um, he's not like a
1: David Hay who walks around like a fucking bellend being like, I can take on the world.
0: And it, it is annoying. Fuck is it, David Haye? But then, it, on, and, and again, man, 50%, the other 50% of that scene, Brad Pitt's character building and just Brad, showing how self-assured Brad Pitt is in that whole sequence was fucking brilliant. And Brad Pitt does that half of the scene really well. It's just a shame they did it. At the expense of Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I'm... I know you didn't enjoy it, but I'm so oh. fucking on the fence. I'm like fifty percent. Fifty percent of that film like, was good. Like I would, like uh. I, could, I could see what <laughs> I could see what the scene was going for
1: with yeah, the, with Pitt's character and the kind of comedy from that of like when he throws him into the car and everything, and the kind of like jokey and and you know it, it
0: explaining why Randy fucking hates him. Yeah. And, yeah,
1: But I just couldn't sit there and enjoy it because it was Tarantino just just using Bruce Lee as a prop yeah. for his film and in such a disrespectful awful way 100%
0: I I cannot agree with you
1: now Bruce Lee's daughter and friends of Bruce Lee and people who worked with Bruce Lee at that time have all come out and just says this is not what he was like this is not the man he was Why have you portrayed him this way? And Tarantino's response is not to back down and apologise, but to go forward, put his foot forward and say, oh, no, no, this is what he's like. I've seen him in interviews before. It's
0: like, fuck you. No, you don't. You don't fucking know him. You don't know him. (laughs) You never met him. Like, fuck you, you You fucking prick. You know what would have been interesting? Ah! Not interesting. You know what Tarantino could have done at the very least to save face if he didn't want to apologise? He could have at least said, "No, no, 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 no. I don't think that about Bruce Lee. But, you know, that's how Hollywood saw... Asian actors and Asian celebrities at the time. So that's how I've portrayed him in my movie. Then at least you'd be like, You're a fucking dick still, but at least you're kind of making it arty. but no, you've just come out and made yourself like a fucking cock. Maybe just kinda big fucking cock, Quentin.
1: Yeah, back off and maybe not let your
0: ego just take over the situation. This just makes me angry. Tarantino's a bull bag. He is a... Oh. Shall we move into the history of Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we we if we continue down this, it'll just be shitting all over that movie. I'll, I'll, I'll I know, I know. It, know because it's a fucking... just shit all over him instead. Sh- I, I maintain, I can't imagine that it's as fun listening to people crap on a film endlessly. And maybe maybe it is, but I still but think... Yeah, I guess we'll just give a quick summary. Would you
1: recommend people go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <sighs> I don't know. I'll go first because it's easier for me, and then you can try and figure it out from what I see. Maybe. Do it. Do not go see this film. <laughs> this film is not worth your time. It is not worth your money. It's not worth your... I would say your thought process, but the movie doesn't do anything, so you don't have to think. It just exists in this plainness in front of you. Imagine staring a piece of A4 paper for two hours and 40 fucking minutes. It was And at so the end long. of it, it's... someone comes up and says so what did you think of that it's like well (laughs) nothing fucking happened in the paper you didn't draw anything did you stay during the credits
0: I did what was Leonardo DiCaprio saying (gasps) that bit uh, what, Jerry, hey, this is Rick Dalton or something, whatever. Oh, we, his, we were leaving at that point. Oh, okay. We started it's, saying something and we didn't. Stay. It's a, it's a commercial for Red Apple cigarettes that he's doing in character as Rick Dalton, and then at the end of it, he smokes it and he's doing the like, hmm, the smooth taste of Red Apples, and they're pre-rolled in a factory for you, and then you hear someone go right cut, and he's like, fucking these cigarettes taste like shit, and what the fuck's this cardboard cutout about? I've got a double chin, bruh, and it just shows that he's, you know, the same character you've seen all film good actor but just a dickhead outside and then it, and then um an advert for batman and robin starts playing bizarrely oh. the, like a yeah. radio advert not even a oh, th- yeah. not a visual advert a radio advert so, for batman and robin the much TV like show. the rest of the film the post-credit stuff has has nothing no to do or say it's, the only reason it's in there is for the red apple reference so that tarantino can say look guys it's part of the tarantino universe we were the film 100%. had ended uh the credits were rolling. I want to give a wee shout out to Tim Roth,
1: who, his credit in the film, it says Tim Roth parentheses cut. So he he, he didn't make it into the final
0: cut. I didn't notice that. He was, I, I noticed it in a special thanks, though. Special yeah. thanks to Tim Roth. And I, I went, like, oh.
1: eh? Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> credits rolling. We're walking out. And as we're walking out, I hear behind me that there's a post-credit thing happen, And I think you said to me, like, oh, do you want to, like, go see it? And I'm like, nope, don't get <laughs> Because if after two hours and 40 minutes, that film couldn't achieve telling me anything, I doubt a fucking post-credit yeah. scene's going to do much for it. So I'm just it like, let's didn't. get the fuck out of here yeah, and get away yeah, from yeah, this yeah. film. So Don't go watch that film. It is not worth it. it well, I'm, I'm not going to say it's his worst film because Audio Boy made the good point of let the film settle my mind. Maybe because yeah, yeah. I'm not a big Death Proof fan. Kill Bill have never been the biggest fan of those yeah. films. So maybe it'll. it's definitely low. It's uh, very low on the list. It's maybe the worst,
0: maybe not. I don't know yet. <laughs> but for me... It's not good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna not counter that per se, but I'm gonna say if you are interested in Tarantino's career, it's probably worth a watch. Because if you have at least seen everything else, why would you not go and see this one? However, <laughs> don't be prepared for any of his greats. And bouncing off what you just said, the more I think about Tarantino's career and the more I look back on his career. I don't know how many greats he even had anymore. I, like, you said something really early on in this episode, and I think you're right that, that looking back at these films with with the the brain I have today, pff, I think it's like it's low, but it's low in the midst of a lot of not great movies <laughs> with maybe one or two good ones. You know, and I have my all my whole
1: reasoning for that. Of what, so would you recommend?
0: It? I'm gonna give gonna go with my scoring as I always do. I'm gonna give it a solid four and a half, five. No, I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. Bang in the middle. Bang in the middle. I think yeah. If you if you want to see it because you know Tarantino, go for it. But it you're either gonna you're either gonna fucking love it. And I think there are people out there. I think this oh, yeah. is gonna split the room for massively. Context for was at work last night. I was chatting
1: to my pal, and he was like. Uh, he was asking me what i thought and i said i, I hated it mm. i was like what did you think he said i loved it yeah i was laughing the whole way through blah blah, blah. the but whole way through it could have been influenced by the fact that he was quite drunk he said okay. so he's like he now wants to go see it a second time but sober to see if he still feels the same doesn't way.
0: matter he's, 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 his second viewing will be marred by True. his first but he said on his first viewing he was just
1: pissing himself with yeah because he said he's not a tarantino fan he's never really been a big follower but you watched this follow over Follower of him, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But he
0: enjoyed himself yeah. for the film. And yeah, I can see people. I can see people loving it. I really can. I mean,
1: when the audience around us was laughing at all the jokes that were supposed to be laughed at, him and I, ne- Audio Boy and I, never laughed once. We so were laughing at Bruce Lee's voice, and that was kind of the main thing I noticed anyone laugh at.
0: Yeah, that also yeah. Which, which is also the, an, the racist,
1: weird, the, the really racist Mexican joke that was just in the film that people were laughing which at. one was that? It's the one where DiCaprio is crying and he says, "Oh, I don't let the Mexicans
0: see you cry." I was yeah. like, what does that? What is that? What are you saying? What does that mean? I suppose what? it's just showing the. It's timing. funny because you've got to say the word Mexicans. I like it's funny because f- it's racist, and back in then, it was accepted. Uh. Yeah, it's it's very macho as well. The more, now that we're thinking about it, because it's that was one of my first thoughts. It's really macho and really, you know, Brad Pitt. I no, don't fucking let people see you cry, man. Put on my sunglasses because you can't let that happen. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think yeah, it's gonna split the room. I'm on the middle still. I think I need more talk with more people. Cause this is good. This is this is cementing the fact that yeah, I hated what I hated. But I just think I need one conversation with someone that loved it, and then I can talk to them and they'll go and I'll go, yeah, you know what, the bits that were good were good. But it's just always going to be this weird mess of swirling things that happen. For me, anyway. So yeah, there you go. There's my review. <laughs> <laughs> no no help whatsoever. Has <laughs> anything ever have we ever helped anyone with this show? I don't think we have. <laughs> Right. Um, should we do his history then? So I think that we should do this. Um, after what I've just said about all of his films maybe not being as great as everyone thinks they are, what would you say are his best films? Uh, and how many?
1: Reservoir Dogs and Inglourious Bastards. Only two? Maybe
0: Jackie Brown. Okay. So for clarity, I've not seen Jackie Brown. I've not seen Hateful Eight. Um, I feel like I'm not missing anything with Hateful For, for context, I've unfortunately seen every single one of these films. <laughs> Plus everything he's written. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Reservoir Dogs is great. Uh, I'm going to go with Inglorious Bastards is great. I'm going to put Django and Pulp Fiction underneath that. But not too far off. I quite enjoy both of them. Haven't seen Jackie Brown. And then everything else is where I'm into the, the more I think about it, everything else he's done is not, not. Nah.
1: I'm not that passionate that when, <laughs> when people lose their shit over pulp fiction. Go, how amazing is pulp fiction? I just say, what about the middle portion of that film? Do you remember or do you like? And no one can ever answer that question for me. <laughs> that makes that I'm like, okay. I think Cause, I can because people remember. Do you mean the Bruce Willis bit? Yeah, the whole Bruce Willis section. Okay. And uh, people love the the first kind of act yeah. stuff with uh, Vince Vega and Jules John Travolta.
0: Because Jules, Mia Wall- of course, the whole Mia Wallace, Marcellus Wallace. The whole. Does he look like a bitch? I said, "Does he look like a bitch?"
1: Now <laughs> give me a quote from the Bruce Miller section. Zed's
0: Your dead, father baby. carried Zed's this dead. little pocket watch up his ass <laughs> no, that's for five years. <laughs> that's Christopher Walken. Zed's dead, baby. And then, and then I got you. The middle of the film kills. You look like a cute little pot-belly gorilla when you're all pregnant. I. I like pulp fiction i've watched that film a lot as well i
1: liked pulp fiction yeah and with tarantino's filmography i liked all of his films mm. until because here's the way i deem tarantino if you want to get someone to fall in love with cinema start them off with tarantino because mm-hmm. tarantino was someone who
0: grew up on cinema he knows and it, yeah, seen can, a amount of stuff about you can tell tarantino film. Like, you're exactly right. He loves cinema. And, and, he and especially a, he in the early has the days... He had a knowledge of cinema that I could only wish to have. Yeah, especially in the early days. He he had, he had put so much love and effort. Granted, misguided so, a lot of the time. <sighs> yeah, yeah. But you can tell that everything he worked on originally was a labour of love. Yeah. So if you want to
1: start someone off, to make them, if they're not really into cinema or they've never watched films, start with Tarantino, because it's like... It's a wee entree. It's just mm. a... It kind of gives you something of everything from all different walks of cinema life, where it's Asian cinema or Western cinema or the kind of grindhouse area of cinema. You get a taste of everything. And you're like, oh, I like these things. And then what you do is you take all that Tarantino-ness, you put it to the side, and you go and explore what inspired him and what has been inspired because of now, him. See, I was going to say
0: all of that stuff is... Always better than what he's done. I was going to say, after you've done Tarantino and had your little taster session of everything, just put it in a box and then go and watch hard sci fi for the rest of your life because there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Sci fi is the ultimate category. Uh, No, but okay. Ex Machina, (laughs) Her, Arrival. I recently just watched. Back to the Future. I
1: recently just. Looper. Rewatched Ex Machina. What happened to Oscar Isaac? He is astonishing in that film.
0: That whole film's astonishing. Well, yeah. But. (laughs) I thought I definitely thought you were going to be like, well, no, on my second watch. I, don't, I but Honestly, no.
1: Here's an amazing thing. I no don't argument. like Donut Gleason as an actor. But on that second... watch, called him Donut Gleason. That's his name. <laughs> but on the second yeah. watch, I was like, actually, he's not that bad in this film. It's Donald all the Leeson's other films dread, he's terrible in. Yeah, like Dread. Oh, yeah, he's in Dread. He's he? in Dread! Oh, I always forget that. Hey, another good sci-fi film. Or The Reverend or Star Wars. He's awful in all these films. But yeah. He's so funny in What happened to Oscar Isaac? He's so fucking amazing in that film. Like the the subtlety in his performance. Yeah. And I guess Alex Garland's writing is also a great help to that performance. It helps that everything else in that film is so fucking phenomenal. Yeah, but now you look at Oscar Isaac, name the last film you saw Oscar Isaac in. Star Wars. That he was, he stood (laughs) out in. Let me finish the question. Name the last film you saw Oscar Isaac in that he stood out in. I seen something... X-Men
0: apocalypse.
1: Oh, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> no, right. Um X Machina he steals every scene he's in. X Machina is fucking like incredible. Drive. Was that before? Yeah, but Was he in Drive again? He was in Drive. Yeah. He
0: plays the b- boyfriend.
1: He was good in that. Oh
0: fuck yeah. But it's also just like yeah,
1: see he didn't even remember. get
0: yeah, I can yeah. I'm I, I get you. I I do I totally get, I totally agree with you. It's just the shame. Davis. Didn't see that. I mean, one. yeah,
1: that's pretty good, but it's the Coen brothers,
0: not him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the dance sequence in *X Machina. Oh, so good! I want to be able to dance like that. It comes out of like what? What I love about that scene in *X Machina is that it's it's such a perfect highlight of of just how absurd and how far down the rabbit hole Domhnall Gleeson's yeah. character feels like he's gotten. Um, it's kind of like the scene in uh, uh, *Charlie and the Chocolate Factory*. Yeah, <laughs> it's they, exactly. Like they're that. on the boat and it just. Like, it's the, it's the, lighting it's and the, and the moment st- that Charlie realises, oh, man, this may not have been a fucking good Grandpa, can we leave? you like, yeah. nah, Charlie, we're fucking, all... I don't need... this is a labyrinth, like, w- and this lunatic's we, taking us. No get, no getting out. I love the fact that there's the perfect amount of seats on that boat, because Willy Wonka knew that he was killing kids. He, that was his plan all along.
1: We should do an episode on Kid Killers, Voldemort, Willy Wonka. <laughs>
0: Name more. Charles Manson, technically. <laughs> <laughs> we need to oh, talk uh, about once upon a time. Darth Hollywood, Vader
1: he killed young Darth
0: Vader. How many kid killers are there in cinema that are staples of of cinematic history? I do love that Disney's like you, you go to Disney World, and you get hey, do you want to have a lightsaber fight, Darth Vader?
1: And it's like a an eight year old boy and stuff. It's like that guy kills young
0: ones. It would be, what would be even better from Disney is if you went and it was like, come and sword fight uh, young Darth Vader and they marked it like that and then you get there and it's just a grown man dressed like uh, teenage Anakin or 20-something Anakin yeah. and he just fucking wails on the kids. <laughs> like he just fucking goes to town once a day. He just
1: leaves Disney where big welts <laughs> in their back and shit. Like, fuck <laughs> it hell. parents
0: are like, Jesus. And Disney can put their hands and be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We don't know what you were expecting. Have you not seen the films? <laughs> Have you not seen Revenge of the City? He kills younglings. <laughs> Obi,
1: yes. uh, Ewan McGregor terribly delivers the line. He it's killed a- younglings. younglings. He has to cover his face because he's laughing at how terrible the dialogue is. You were
0: meant to be the chosen one!
1: So yeah, Tarantino... Uh, what I would suggest is... Uh, yeah, like I said, he's just jump off point. But Tarantino... <laughs> You can say it how you want. I'm going to say it my way. Liberally and egregiously, there's that word again for you. Steals from other filmmakers, films, genres. Pretty much, yeah. He just, with great abandon, will happily just go. See that thing over there? I'm going to take that and make it mine. So people think it's mine. Yeah. Because I, I can't believe how many people out there like they'll see, they'll see the many scenes from Kill Bill, and they're like how amazing like that. Like, he comes up with all this stuff, and, it's, and I was like, yeah, but what about? The film that he stole it from, and then you show them that. and He's just like, because literally, with Kill Bill, that whole scene that's like set in blue, but they're all like kind of yeah, yeah. monochrome black and stuff. He just changed the color, it was red in the original, it's blue yeah. in his.
0: Everything else is the same. I was like, it's so frustrating when people are like, Tarantino's one of the best filmmakers I love of all Tarantino. time. Because the thing is, you ask what you ask anyone what Tarantino's style is, and other, after extreme bloody violence, what's his style? It's just taking other people's styles, and yeah, because here's the, the sad thing is.
1: Tarantino will take music, he'll take scenes, he'll take themes, he'll take tones, he'll take characters, he'll take everything. He'll Tarantino it, which is to just turn it up to a living and put blood all over it. And And then he makes that the cultural stepping stone and the film that he took it from disappears into obscurity or no one even knows exists. And then everyone thinks he's this filmmaking genius where instead he's just... I guess it's that old adage of uh, um, good artists... What was it? Good artists uh Imitation borrow. is the
0: sincerest form of flattery.
1: It was like a good, art, good artist borrow, great artist steal or something like that. Was, right, okay. What's the saying? I,
0: this rings a bell, but I yeah, if like, alive me couldn't tell you what it meant. But, to then, me.
1: but with Tarantino, it's just like, he just steals at this. And with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Which makes
0: him a great artist, according to your saying. I mean,
1: according to that saying. But <laughs> but with him, it's just like, I don't... I just, uh, I'm just i so fed up with it. And I'm so fed up of this. I mean, I, f- I feel like with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the the discussions that people have been having about this film and about Tarantino, mm-hmm. and especially after that Me Too stuff came out where he tried to just kill... Uh, mm-hmm. off, uh, the actress's name has gone from my head. From Kill Bill. Uma Thurman. I mean, he just just tries to kill Uma Thurman. I think people are finally coming around to my way of thinking, which is Tarantino's not that great. And mm-hmm. when you start to go back to his old filmography, a it just doesn't stand up anymore.
0: A lot of the old filmography, and this, I fully agree, I think a lot of the old filmography that's been touted as, you know, Tarantino's greatest pulp fiction, were at the time phenomenal because they were at least trying... At least for, you know, trying to do something different. Whether or not that was stolen and put into the limelight or not, they felt like they were new ideas to the masses. And then you go back and you watch them, and just because something's a new idea and it's interesting doesn't make it necessarily a great film. And that happens a lot. That happens with films today that aren't Tarantino films. You know, you watch something you go, that was brilliant because it, because I've never seen it before. And then you come back and you watch it, five years later and you go, Oh, this one's not actually great, but the twist or the whatever, that specific thing about it is still phenomenal. Yeah. The rest of it unfortunately doesn't hold up. I mean for me it's like he's never
1: outdone reservoir dogs. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also because he was probably building reservoir dogs in his head for years and years and years and years before. Yeah, f-
0: Reservoir Dogs, his yeah, first? Reservoir dogs yeah. was his
1: first. Before he finally got to make it and then when he finally made it it's like he put his everything into it and then after that, everything else is just kind of felt like a. At this point, he's become a parody of himself. Hundred percent.
0: Where. One hundred percent.
1: Like, because because with Inglorious Bastards, like I feel the film builds to a point where it earns
0: its its violence and its shouts. Inglorious Bastards has one explosion of violence, which is the the Nazi face exploding, machine gun hidden on the fucking wrist thing, right? But everything else about it feels fairly grounded. That, that fucking scene in the the pub where they're all just sitting around.
1: Oh, I can Great. eat that scene alive. Yeah. It's so gloriously delicate. De- yeah. Delicate. elegant delicate.
0: Oh, say. mate, that's a new word. Coin it. Delegant, Hashtag it. Delegant. Uh The delegance of... <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so good. Passion. There's so much to
1: just sink your teeth into with that scene. And then that's the per- another thing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The dialogue in that film is just so nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's that word again. It's just so... Just just a flat line mm-hmm. whereas you look at his other films even the ones that aren't that good the dialogue is so full of life yeah. and the characters are so
0: so vibrant and exciting the way they speak and there's yeah. none of that once because death proof death death proof which i've already likened it to death proof it's not one of my favorites by any stretch of the imagination but kurt russell's fucking 30 minute monologue where he's eating a <sighs> fucking plate of nachos and just <sighs> talking Oh. It is phenomenal. Like that that is a great monologue. And and you're exactly right. It's not a great film. It goes on for fucking ages. But the dialogue in that film is. Whew, way you up know, there. H- Hateful Eight's
1: not a perfect example. I did not like Hateful Hate. Mm. That film's two hours and thirty eight minutes. Oh my god. Yeah. And it's an incredible cast. And the dialogue is so juicy. Yeah. It is so good. <laughs> but the film goes on for so long and unlike *Inglorious glorious Bastards, Django Unchained, uh, Hatefully, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood all do this Tarantino thing where I feel Tarantino ha- feels he has to do it now which is everything's going along. It's got these kind of twists and turns. It's exciting. It's bumpy. There's yeah. dialogue. And then it just goes, okay, violence time. And then goes, click. And he just ch- fires full steam ahead into these stupidly over the top, terribly done, bad, violent, grindhouse scenes yeah. that don't
0: make sense to the context of the film but then like, that's and i'm that's just like, the one ah! thing i would say is the tarantino style that like genuinely yeah. that is the single thing that that's i would say that's the only thing he's he's coined for himself having a film that's all dialogue and then burst of violence that's it after that <laughs> um, it's, it's maybe I, I, because with some of those films you fall asleep and that's how he wakes you up again <laughs> uh on top of what you've literally just said i n- now that i'm thinking about it you're 100 right um once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I can't think of we may have said a few ch- like lines here and there, but Django Unchained, Pulp Fiction, uh Inglorious Bastards, Reservoir Dogs, I can quote kill large them. chunks of these yeah. films. Pfft, I don't think I could chunk I don't think I could quote a single piece of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And and again, for our listeners, I have walked out of the cinema not two hours ago and I lost couldn't. Lost your tell keys. And you, lost my keys. And I, I honestly can tell you I can tell you what happened, but I couldn't quote a single line from it. Is
1: that because Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction have had like 20 years of like pop culture? For,
0: maybe for maybe. To pick things up. But then it's nah, because it's not even I mean, like, you know, like Pulp Fiction just there. I I can just quote chunks of that film because I, I know you know what I mean? Like they're just in my brain. And even after the first viewing, I remember coming out, like I remember talking to my friends about it and being like, oh no, there's a great bit right at the beginning, nothing's happening. They're talking about what they call a burger in France. It's fucking great. Like I remember telling my friends that, one viewing. But right now I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, what the fuck? I'm trying to think of a single quotable part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, right now.
1: Do you know what I'll, Anyone? Just, I'll just, I was <laughs> just thinking there that I just realised. Because when I came out of Hateful Eight, I didn't enjoy the film, but Samuel L. Jackson's dialogue, Kurt Russell's dialogue, there's some great stuff you can just kind of, like... was Hateful from Eight
0: that? released on Netflix?
1: Uh, I think it's currently on Netflix, yeah. Is it?
0: Uh, what was the one that was released on Netflix? that was like hateful eight. It was released oh, only the, on. That was the Adam Sandler one, the the, the terrible
1: eight or something, or the, oh terrible seven. Terrible seven, or, yeah.
0: It was different. It was clearly meant to be. And at the, the time, it came the out was the
1: highest viewed uh, Netflix original movie of all time.
0: Because uh, fuck
1: uh, humanity. Uh, but yeah, I just realised Samuel Jackson isn't in this film. Yeah, he's in every other. He's not in Death Proof, and he. Death Proof's a weird one, though. He narrates... Well, he's in Kill Bill, but you don't really see him that much. And he's not an in Inglorious Basterds, but I think he does a narration. It's not, it's not Reservoir Dogs, either. Well, that was because we're talking about like, Pulp Fiction afterwards, it was like a oh, staple okay. that he would yeah, be in. Yeah,
0: Pulp Fiction. Uh, Sam, Pulp Fiction. Sam Jack was in everything with Tarantino. They were buddies for a while. Yeah. I always think about Tarantino's weird character cameo in uh, Death Proof. No. Django Unchained. Nope. Uh, Death Proof's sister film. Planet Terror oh,
1: I've never got through Planet Terror because it's a Robert <laughs> Rodriguez film and Robert yeah. Rodriguez, he, I mean he came in it, it was those three directors that, at the Miramax time that came in, it was Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, they all they were this new wave of mm. indie cinema, they were changing the landscape, they were on magazines, like these are the guys that are going to shape the, the future of cinema and I was just like, well fucking good luck to the future of cinema if this is it then. <laughs> and now look at like Kevin Smith's He's Kevin pod- Smith had
0: a couple of hits and then just fizzled. He's a
1: podcaster at this point. Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez has made one good film, and that, well, unless you want to talk about the Spy Kids films, which I know people here <laughs> do yeah. love, you back off. <laughs> no, I was going to say he's made one good film, which, uh, and then after that,
0: what? Well, which one good film are you thinking? Uh, El Dorado. Oh, Okay, I like I Dust I Till Dawn. You're
1: going to say Sin Fucking.
0: Oh God, we could. Oh, I thought you were going to say Dust Till Dawn. I hate Dust Till Dawn.
1: What? Yeah, I can't. 'Cause again it's Robert Rodriguez and the man. Oh,
0: no, I am gonna stand up oh, for Dust Till Meri- Dawn. El
1: Mariachi, that's the Film not El Dorado.
0: El Mer- Dust till Dawn is, I remember the first time I watched Dust till Dawn and I was thinking this is just like a regular gangster movie, George Clooney, Tarantino, that weird chick that's kinda hot but also not. Um Harvey Keitel. Do you mean Sam Hayek? No, Sam Hayek's very hot. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the weird she's kind of rednecky. You know if you look her up tarantino has got a weird thing about her in, in Dusk Till Dawn. And then halfway through the film, oh, and then fucking Danny Trejo, Marine Cheech.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Donald fucking Glover. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is what's going to happen with these gangsters and the bikers and then fucking vampires. Yep. I love that
1: because it's a perfect like Robert Rodriguez, Juliet
0: Lewis. Juliette Lewis. Okay. Robert
1: Rodriguez was just like, hey, that Tarantino thing of like at the end of the movie, I'll just completely shift to a different thing and it'll just surprise people so much they'll remember it. That
0: wasn't even the end though; that was bang on halfway through the film. <laughs> so bad. But you know why that is? I looked into this. Uh, it's two different films. They ran out of they ran out of time and, and production budget, and they just thought, oh fuck, smashed them together basically. I mean, out of the three of those. I guess Edmund Shamlin
1: was also a part of that new age cinema thing.
0: but Also did great things with his career.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess sadly, out of all of them, Tarantino's probably the... He's the most profitable. He's definitely the most profitable. Uh, as a film yeah, does maker. that
0: mean successful, though?
1: I mean, no, because tra- the Transformers were like the highest grossing films. Every year they came out and they're not good in any yeah. way whatsoever. <laughs> Call of Duty continues to be like one of the highest grossing gaming franchises of all time, but none of them are good.
0: I'm looking forward to the next Luigi's Mansion, though. Talking about video games, sorry. I, no, I, sorry. I seen quick... an article of it earlier today and I, I thought you were to, about to can... say you're looking forward to the new college. You know, no, fuck it, that's flat. I've just been wanting to talk to someone about Luigi's Mansion 3 for a while. So, Looking forward to it, guys? I mean, one day I'll get a Switch. And then we can play Smash Bros. It's not going to be anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. we okay, anything else of value to say? <sighs> I wanna... just...
1: I understand this has been a negative episode, but for me, this is something that has been brewing mm-hmm. in my soul my film soul for so long i'm that just dark th-
0: little rock no inside it's a horrible you like place. to refer to as a soul it's a horrible pl-
1: you know like uh, the, the <laughs> little uh, bullets that kill the the big bison animals and princess mononoke yeah i've got one of those inside my body <laughs> and it's eating
0: me from the inside out anyway yeah tarantino no i'm not a fan <laughs> we we gathered yeah. Um as nothing else I really want to say. Oh, I think I do think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is worth a watch. Nope. And I think I think no but I think it's something that you need to make your own mind up people. I think I if know, you're listening yeah. to this you have yeah. to watch it to That's make your fair. own mind up. I, agree. I I'm not going to stand up for it. I'm not going to say you will guaranteed love it. I'm with Gavin. There's huge chunks of that film that I fucking just thought was so it's, shit.
1: Here's a thought is Maybe don't see it in the cinema. Maybe just wait till it comes to yeah. streaming or to Blu-ray or something, because then you have the opportunity to pause it mm. and go do anything else for a <laughs> while instead of sitting there for. I mean, what it was like? It goes on for a. It goes on
0: for a long time.
1: For for fun context, Audio Boy considered walking at one point, and I also considered walking at one point. The scene where we talked about earlier, we're chatting to the wee girl, and it just goes on and it achieves nothing, and then it just. The Oops. scene with the
0: little girl, the scene where Brad Pitt's talking to the old man at the Oh Benson, my god, I was so sick of that scene before it even started. House. That, the, the thing is, other weird parts, sorry, I know we we're in the wrapping up section here. Oh, I don't Dakota Fanning is a headline name that comes up after DiCaprio, Pitt, and someone else. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, then Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning's in that film for what? Five minutes? After that. And that's it, that. I mean, it's more of her feet than her face. Fucking, what the fuck? Why is is she a headline name in that movie? I don't know. She comes before Kurt Russell.
1: Which is, everyone should be behind Kurt Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Man's a fucking god. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's just, the the scenes in that movie, they just, they're so long. And you, (sighs) like a scene will go on for genuinely what feels like 20 minutes. There'll be a scene. And at the end of that 20 minutes, I started doing this as the film went on. I would ask myself, what did that scene achieve? Yeah. What did that scene tell me? And as those scenes continued to go on, they achieved nothing to the point where it got to that scene <laughs> where he's chatting to little girl and that scene ended
0: and I thought, I don't need to be here anymore. I don't <laughs> want to be here anymore. The it's, film's doing nothing. What's What's really interesting actually for me, final thought for me, final, final thought. I came out of Midsummer, and I... Spoke to a few friends of mine that have seen that around the place. And the the general consensus from my like less film loving friends has been, yeah, Midsummer's interesting, it's a film about a breakup, but every scene went on for just like five minutes too long. And I've defended that and said no. The whole point of Midsummer is that every scene is meant is designed to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible. To the extent where they do go on for five minutes, but it's a choice. And it's a choice that I think works, because you are left sitting yeah, in your seat it's going pulling you
1: deeper and deeper, and deeper and deeper into
0: this. Uncomfortable space. Tarantino comes out with this, and every scene is ten minutes too long. And I can't defend it; it just is, it's just crap. End think- of. <laughs> that's my point. It just goes on yeah, too long. I I'm, I'm fully with, with you. Like, but it's just funny that I, I spent, I've spent time defending Midsummer for the exact same thing Tarantino's tried to do, and I have no defense for Tarantino for it. It's just, yeah, Ugh, that's crap. Yeah, I was I, 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 yeah, yeah, just, just moan otherwise. I'll just I'm just going to say my moment. closing thought is just
1: explore any other explore the directors that inspired tarantino yeah. and explore the work that he inspired because all of it is going to be a hell of a lot better
0: than what he's done anyway guys so gloomy now i mean the weather doesn't matter. the weather's changed Do you it's know gonna get some pints <laughs> <laughs> anyway guys that's it from us uh thanks for listening as always we'll be back next week with another riveting episode of the meandering movie podcast the meandering movie what podcast. will we talk about well I, we should we need to stop saying it i always i always push for like a topic and so far we've on two separate occasions said spider-man the trilogy which we've never done and yeah. then a couple of weeks ago we said matrix which we also, i mean interestingly which we've still never done uh, as of recording this episode
1: spider-man has just got kicked out of the mcu and they've just announced they're doing a fourth uh, matrix movie so
0: we can do a the double feature <laughs> they're on the cards what the f- fourth matrix film new is dead right let's, let's save that for an episode Ugh. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can get us on Twitter at MeanderingPod, Instagram by searching for The Meandering Movie Podcast, Facebook, same thing. Just search for The Meandering Movie Podcast, and Gmail, if you want to send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com? Yep. Dot com. Get us... Um, those-
1: Topic suggestions, please. Topic le- suggestions,
0: le- reviews, let us know what you opinions, think. Opinions, and- comments, we responses, just like hearing fact from our checks. we like a
1: wee fact check for like, uh, Phil's uh, work daddy. We'll exactly.
0: Fa- just tell us. If you know yeah. us in person, shout at us. If you don't know us in person, you see us walking across the street, shout a fact. If you see me at a bar, buy me a pint. Yeah. Uh, as always, you can catch me on Twitch, at Pixels Cafe. If you want to see me play some video games, you can subscribe for money, or if you've got Amazon Prime, you can do it for free. And Gav, what would you like to plug this week? Fuck it. Follow me on Instagram, Gavin's Ramblings. Ooh. Why not? I'll sometimes put up stuff. <laughs> um, final thought of the day. I've been using Twitter more recently, as Audio Boy knows, because he's the only person that likes anything I post. You're welcome. <laughs> Here to support you in every way. I haven't yeah, looked man. at Twitter in a very long time. I don't use it, but I've recently been just, like, one random thought a week, it seems to be, is my... Uh, my amount and my most recent tweet I'll read it for you guys just because I feel like you'll enjoy it um, I don't know how to find it can't do it <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs> it's me movies it's me at in
1: movies it's me at in movies so won't you lend in you